1: Kathleen Real has more college degrees than I knew even existed. She's the author of the multi award winning book, Moving Forward on Your Own, a financial guidebook for widows. And her work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, USA Today, and about a billion other places. After 17 years of providing personal financial advice, she sold her business in 2013 to dedicate more time to teaching and speaking and writing. And she's a widow. And she is a leading authority on Widow's financial issues. So as a financial advisor and writer, she's really walked the walk. She's been through this. And that's why she's so helpful for others who've gone through losing a spouse. Kathleen's goal is to inspire women and show them that they can move forward independently no matter what life throws at them. Let's get started. You go by Kathleen, correct?
0: Yes. I was Kathy when I was a little girl. When I got grown up, I became Kathleen. And I, I'm more of a Kathleen than a Kathy.
1: You know, uh, Kathleen, I went from, when I was young in the investment business, I, it was, I started like 21, 22. I, I did an internship really early and then started in the industry right out of college. And because I felt so young, I wanted my name to sound older. So I went by Wesley. And then as I got older and I wanted <laughs> to feel younger, I switched over to Wes because it sounds a little bit younger.
0: When I go back for, for high school class reunions, everybody calls me
1: Kathy. All right. Well, I'll stick to Kathleen. Thank uh, you. But you. But you're part of the year in Florida, part of the year in New York. Yes. And and during the summer, I suspect you, you escaped to the cooler part of the Adirondacks maybe, and, and have cooler weather?
0: Yes. Well, that's the Saratoga Springs area that we are in New York.
1: It's beautiful. Isn't that horse racing country too?
0: <laughs> yes. I was just talking with Ryan about there's a, a seven-week season, and people come from all over, well, not only the state, but they come all, from all over the world here for the races.
1: For our listeners who don't know Ryan, who you just mentioned, Ryan is our producer, one of our 17 producers on the show. Ryan's last name is Doolittle. And I always wonder what his, <laughs> his ancestors did, right? It's like the Doolittles, how did, wh- where did that come from?
0: <laughs> yes, and I saw that last name and I thought, no, it should be Doolot.
1: That's what we call him here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's the most productive of all 17 producers mm-hmm. we have on the show. The, um, so I'm going to give you a, a two-minute warm-up here. Because this is a little bit of a heavy topic, but you make it light. And that's why I wanted to have you on Retire Sooner. It's something that many of us have to deal with at some point in our lives. And being a widow, which you've been, is is, is tremendously challenging in, in so many different ways. And then financially, of course. And I think it's just as much as it's a topic where I thought, you know, I, I think I read one of your articles on CNBC and I thought, gosh, this would be great to have Kathleen on. And then I said, uh. It's kind of a depressing topic, but no, wait, we should have Kathleen on. So it's, so, so the way you present this, I think is very helpful. Um, And I'll start out by just asking you a little bit about you as we warm up here. And I know you go from Florida to New York, but where's your favorite place to travel in the world?
0: Oh my goodness. That's a difficult question.
1: I'll make it easier. A place, Where's your a, pl-
0: fi- a place that I like to connect with is actually going back to what is home for me, even though I've lived in many different places, and that's Wisconsin, the Madison area. That's where I grew up. And as soon as I cross into Wisconsin, if I'm driving in or taking a flight in, I you know look down and it just feels like oh, I'm home. Mm.
1: Well, I usually ask our guests, what's your favorite place to travel in Michigan? So I'll ask you.
0: Michigan. Mm, I have not been in Michigan that much. Um, because you don't
1: need to. You're right next door. You've got all the lakes. Yeah. You've got the cool weather. You don't need to go to Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, it's the cousin of Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, so, So let's go back to your favorite, I know you've, you've written books and I think, is it your latest is moving forward on your own? When did you write that?
0: Actually that was written, it was published in 2010. And if you look at it at Amazon, it says, uh, 2018, but that's because it was republished in a different format. And so it showed, but it was actually written in, in 2010 and people say oh when are you going to write your next book and I've said one book that was it (laughs) that's all I'm writing
1: I'm doing that's what I try to say that's what I try to do I've
0: done some e-booklets and I'm doing now like a legacy storytelling a collection of poems and and stories but that that won't be formally printed so nope that was once and done
1: one and done. One mm-hmm. and done. Well, l- let me get into your story. What? Tell me what happened. Um, tell me your background uh, in, in, education, in financial services. Um, how did you get started? I thought it might be fun to read you a poem
0: oh. that I wrote. It's um, my resume in poetry form. So is that okay if I read that poem?
1: It's a retire sooner first, so absolutely.
0: All right. Story of my origin from my heart once upon a time in a faraway land called wisconsin a baby girl was born in the midst of a blustery biz- blizzard her parents named their child kathleen that's me and this is my story childhood on family farms constant chores caring for animals crops and catastrophes squabbling parents money short receiving valedictorian scholarship being family's first college grad Ooh, was that your escape Public schools teaching, wiggly first graders and sassy teens, studying for PhD, same time, defending my thesis, opening new doors with that golden key. Oh, I thought you loved being a school teacher. Hello, university faculty status. Diving into academic teaching, fast track tenuring, changing abruptly, pivoting, leaving ivory tower colleagues. How could you go? New challenges at nonprofits. Urging folks to open hearts and wallets, raising money for charities, learning new skills, making a difference. Was that the game changer? Real financial advisors. Flourishing 18-year business as CFP, helping folks with money, focusing on surviving spouses after husband's death. Publishing Moving Forward on Your Own, a financial guidebook for widows. Well, what came next? Encore Career launched. Selling RFA business, speaking Writing, researching, empowering widows, crisscrossing country for 300 presentations. Then you're retired, now refired, not vintage retirement. Centering on five F words, family, fun, focus, purpose, friends, and fitness, body, mind, spirit, and money. Creating a lasting legacy, being a writer and nonprofit ambassador. Fantastic chapter.
1: I love that. I particularly love the F words. Did you forget
0: one of the F words? Mm, Family, fun, focus, purpose, friends, and fitness.
1: five. Again, coming from a house of four young boys, you're going to hear another F word from time to time. Jake, (laughs) don't say that. Okay. So let's get to, that's, I think it's the first poem I've heard when it comes to kind of your, uh, your trajectory over time, and it's a really cool way to do it. So thank oh, you. I'd, I like set the set the pace that way. I think it's very. I love it. Well, gosh, so you really did. I love that you grew up on a farm. First of all, in Wisconsin, and uh, it is constant chores. It's just, you've, there's constant work. <laughs> Never done. <laughs> Everything's easier after you leave the farm, isn't it? Yes.
0: And but what I knew. Kind of, I knew what kind of farm up, was
1: it? Did, did you, it was it a dairy farm or what? It
0: was the The first farm that I lived on, it was really with my my uncle and my dad was working with him, and they had conflicts after a couple of years and left. And then I was in Madison for a while and then we moved back to a farm. And it was only about a hundred acres and part of that was woods and Dad was a letter carrier for the post office. My mom worked as a secretary in town at the university. so it was they had their day jobs, but it was the farm. Uh, they raised. When they, they first started out, they had a few hogs and cattle and even chickens, but we got rid of the chickens. <laughs> it's too much work. And the pigs, we ate them all. And the um, the cattle, dad got into a, it was a, a land grant bank program where he didn't have to grow corn so much. And it was a good deal for him financially. And we kept a few cattle, that we raised beef cattle. But it wasn't um, dairy cattle that we raised. And we had some horses and a donkey and lots of dogs and cats. And
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds, sounds a little bit like where I grew up. It's uh, There's always something to do. But so- I knew
0: I was not going to have that be my lifestyle. So <laughs> when my boyfriend is a senior proposed marriage. He said, now you, you can go off to college and you know, get your teacher's degree and then we'll get married after afterwards and come back and we'll take care of my sheep. And I just thought to myself, oh, never, never, <laughs> I'm not going to wind up living on, a, on, on this kind of a farm forever, forever. I'm going to go off and do something so, different. So,
1: so you were a teacher and then yes. you became a professor, correct? Yes. What yes. was, what were you teaching and then what were you professing?
0: It was Education. People say, you'll get a PhD. was probably in economics or business. No, it was education. I'm a teacher at heart. So it was education. So when I was uh, a professor, I was working with mainly young women who were going to be teachers also.
1: So you were teaching teachers. Okay. Yes. And then when did... So then you ended up in the financial business. How did you do that? And then how did the focus become... Widows, and right. how much of your practice was that? Uh, tell me that story. All right, college professor, and age.
0: Um, I took my first position be about thirty. Yep. I had marched through; I was about thirty years old, and I got tenure. And um, my colleagues thought I was nuts when I left, because once you get tenure, it's like. Ooh, you're set for life. They can never get rid of you. But it was just like, I was restless. It's like there was there's more to be done. I can do more. And I had taken a job with a National Healthcare Foundation in Washington, DC. That's where I was living at the time. And I really didn't know a lot about the job when they took it. They they hired me kind of on a lark because they figured that I c- could do it, and and they'd fired the guy before me.
1: Kathleen will figure it out.
0: Yeah, right. So it was it was fundraising basically, and I was doing annual fund and that kind of thing. And then I discovered this field called planned giving, where people were making large gifts through their estate planning, yeah. and through trusts and. And I started going to conferences and learning more about them. That. And that's where I really cut my teeth on this financial stuff. And my boss said, you know, I think it would be good if you get another credential so that you could interface with these donors. Because I was working with their attorneys, with their CPAs, with their financial advisors, um, with their wealth management professionals. And I wanted to speak the same language. And I discovered, oh, there's this c- certified financial planner. Uh, program out there so I started taking it and going very very slowly through the program and so by the time and 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 that did it helped me to bring in more gifts for the organization and I was really intrigued by the whole thing and my boss expected me to bring all of the gifts to that foundation that I was working with so I was working with rich docs and they were making these setting up we set up charitable ranger trusts and gift annuities and all kinds of other planned gifts and he expected me to bring the gifts in but yet i was talking to these people and they were interested in the symphony they were interested in the colleges where they graduated from in the the medical schools that they had attended and they wanted to make those part of the gifts so i thought you know i really need to sit on the same side of the table as the donor not the foundation and i guess that means i need to be a financial planner yeah so i segued you know i left that job and started my own business it was going to be just a small boutique business because
1: so out of the gate so you never worked for a big financial services firm n- no but you got your cfp and said hey i'm going to go start my own firm
0: yes and that was the day when this to get a cfp they counted my work as a development officer as experience they don't count that anymore you got to go you know Put your your dues in working for another firm. I yeah. interviewed. I interviewed with with some brokerage firms, and I when I found out what I was going to, you know, I I couldn't share articles say, from the Wall Street Journal f- without approval, and and I had to push certain products, and and it was a, and I, that's not the way I want to work. I just so I decided I established my own RIA, and I was independent, and the goal was just going to be to get one client a month. And my husband and I led a, led a very simplified lifestyle. So I didn't have to make big bucks. And so then when I opened my shop.
1: And now where where were you? Were you in Florida at the time? What state no, were you in? No,
0: by that point I was in Ohio. Okay. And I was married to um, a man who was a Lutheran pastor. He worked for Capital University in development work also. So. He wasn't a parish pastor at that point, but he knew a lot about all these planned gifts and I learned a lot from him. So he was encouraging me to to do this work also.
1: How old so, were you when you got married?
0: I think I was about, well, I know I started my business when I was about 50. So late 40s when I married this man, this was, it was not my first marriage, my, my prior marriage had ended in divorce. And so this was, the next marriage. Got it. And because he moved in circles with Lutheran clergy, and because I was doing some consulting work for a major Lutheran organization, I had contact with pastors. They all knew me in that circles. And so, I at that point, I decided to specialize, because there was an article that came out that said, you got to have, I think it was, uh, it was a white paper, forgotten the guy who did it, but Bob Veery's touted this. You got to have a niche to survive. Otherwise you're going to, you're just not going to make it. So I said, okay, better get me a niche. It's going to be working with pastors. So, because as you know, clergy have some very, very unique kinds of plans. I've got their, their tax-free housing allowance. They can get their 403B money out in retirement, totally tax-free if they structure it correctly. There was just Oh, all kinds. Of, I could help them negotiate their compensation package. There was just all kinds of things I could do. So you,
1: you became a financial expert for clergy. Yes. Wow. That's and that's, never I've never heard of anybody doing that niche. That's why um, Mutual Funds Magazine, which is now,
0: they went out of business, but I think it was 1999, they named me in the top 100 planners in the whole country. <laughs> Go figure. Because my specialty was in clergy planning and charitable giving. Wow. And I started at that point that when I took new clients on, I said, I will give you a 10% discount on what my fee. Cause I charged a fee for my, like a retainer for the whole year. Here's what your fee is going to be.
1: Hourly. Like a, okay. Like a flat fee.
0: Flat fee for the, this covers the whole year. It covers tax. And at that time I did tax. I did their taxes even, you know, estate wow. planning, investments, um, budgeting, um, clergy planning kinds of things, Uh, everything that touched money. Okay. So I'll give you 10% reduction in what that fee is. If you will give that amount to you or are currently giving it to your favorite church or charitable organization, (laughs) nobody turned down that offer. And so I got them started right on charitable giving from the get go. Right. So I did that for a number of years, specializing in clergy and I got up to the point that I think I had we had about seventy clients. I I never took on a, another CFP, although I had requests to come on board. But I was just me. But I had a wonderful paraplanner that she was about three quarters time. And then we had another person that would come in for some special if we needed some special help, like getting ready to do a workshop, and I needed to have materials put together. So did it all, loved it. And then it was 2006. It was December that um, my husband and I got his diagnosis that he had cancer. What, what,
1: what was your late husband's name? Tom. So you guys were in your 50s.
0: No, he's he was quite a bit older than me. So he at, at that point, um, I was 59 years old, 59. And he, he was late 60s, early and 70s.
1: And, and Tom was diagnosed with
0: liver cancer and was given a short amount of time to live. And February 12th, two days before Valentine's Day, when he was in my arms, he died. So it was mm. a couple months after that diagnosis that he died. And then five weeks after that, my widowed mother died. And just a, less than a couple of years before that, my daddy had died.
1: So you had a ton of, 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 of loss. And, and then ping. my cat,
0: my cat died.
1: Come on. So, Come
0: so on. everything's like, whoa. And I experienced firsthand this widow's fog that I oftentimes talk about.
1: Full disclosure, I am affiliated with Capital Investment Advisors, which is a full service and a fee-only financial planning and investment management firm in Atlanta, and Denver, and Tampa, and Phoenix, or wherever you are. And if you'd like to take your retirement planning or retire sooner journey to the next level, Capital Investment Advisors would love to help. You can find our team and schedule a time to chat right at yourwealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R wealth.com.
2: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take
0: yourself too seriously and... 6-1, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: You talk about Widow's Fog or Widow's Brain. Tell me what is that and i had and and i would let me let me couch this by saying isn't this for is it only for widows or is this for widowers as well or is it really focused more on women
0: the writing that i did back then i i spoke more about widows and the, the the research that we did uh several years ago was focused on mainly on widows but now it's more correct to talk about surviving spouses, widows and widowers, but I have found that there are differences because, and after I, I went through my initial grief period and, and got back going, I changed the structure of my practice. So the only new clients I accepted were people who were widowed or who were working towards, looking that at that time ahead when one of the spouses would be gone. So I, the clients that i worked with the differences that i saw the the guys were more about suck it up and be strong and and i can handle it
2: Mm.
0: and the women not not so much so in fact i when i remarried much much later i married a widower and we talked about the differences how we both handled that initial grief phase and my current husband is named charlie and i asked charlie okay so after anna was gone did did you get together with other guys and and talk over a cup of tea or and and cry on each other's shoulder and and listen to stories and 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 be there to help handle the mail and everything and, and he said heck no he said he, he would get together maybe with somebody just to slap each other on the back and have a beer and then go out and work with tools in the shed for a while but <laughs> wouldn't would not talk about his feelings about losing anna at all so guys are the yeah, ones that, that i, I said were, were more Yeah, more guys story. are
1: different you're it's going to be less tea more beer but what about though tell me about the fog tell me about the brain fog and how long did you have this
0: um all kinds of emotions um swirling around. There's, you know, denial, you know, he, he can't, he can't really be gone. And I would literally, I would sit in my house and I'd look at the door that he used to walk through. And, and I could just imagine him walking through that door and saying, Oh, come on, we got work to do. What's everybody sitting around for? Um, anger. How long were you
1: married to Tom?
0: We were coming up on our 20th anniversary because we had started talking about what we wanted to do to celebrate our 20th anniversary, where we were going to go and we decided we were going to take a cruise that never happened. Um, Anger, you know, angry, angry at myself, you know, why didn't I see the signs earlier? Why didn't I do this, do that? You know, or angry, why did you leave me? Why? Loneliness, you know, Tom and I were just super, super close. We did everything. He had been retired, but he helped me in the business. He loved taking the initial phone calls when people would would phone in and want to talk about the business and he loved talking with him. He loved lining up the seminars. I didn't think I would, could continue my business.
1: Oh wow. Without Tom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Afraid. Um, Just all these, these mixture of all kinds of emotions going on. And I, I stepped back from the business for just a very short time and my clients were great. they said, you know, take how much time you want. It's just fine. But I jumped back in like within a week. I was back in the office. The office was in the the house. I had a very homey practice. It was, it was a, we'd built the house specifically for this. The, the whole back end was glass from floor to ceiling, and it looked out over a beautiful lake. Because for a lot of people, finances is challenging. It's it's upsetting. It's it's bothersome. So I wanted a peaceful environment. Peaceful
1: so, environment. Yeah. yeah. So this
0: this beautiful office was, was in there and I got in there and I could get going and I could get lost in that because I understood the work that made sense. The money, you know, the plans that all made sense. It was at the end of the day after the clients left, when the house was so empty, when all this would come crashing in on me and I would just usually go to bed crying my eyes out until I got up the next day and went into the office and
1: went back to work.
0: Yeah. Um, my initial grief like that it was really really hard that that first month and then mom died and so I'm dealing with that too but I'm slugging along and thanks my wonderful paraplanner her name is Kathy um, she really she picked up the reins and did a lot of extra things and she was just there with me I had several widowed lady friends one one gal she'd come over sometimes in the evening and just bring her crocheting and she'd just sit on the couch across from me and just crochet. And I'd just sit there and work on writing thank you cards to the people who sent sympathy notes. But it was just her presence being there helped. Kathleen, what do
1: you say to someone who's lost their husband? It's such a tough time for them. What do you, how do you articulate your sympathy? What do you yeah. say? Yeah.
0: I don't say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Because that is just a saying that everybody says, because they don't know what else to say, and it doesn't mean anything. So if it's if it's a husband that I knew, I might say, say it was a, This actually happened. It was a client of mine, and and he died. Um, and the first time his wife was was back with me, I said, you know, I'm I'm really going to miss Harry because every time he'd come through that door, he'd have a joke to share. And I just knew that we were all going to laugh at this joke. I mean, he was such a funny guy. He was such a lighthearted guy. But he loved you so much. And that's why you you don't need to worry about your finances going forward, because the two of you put things in place. You know, he really loved you. So I might say something like that. If I didn't know the husband... Because sometimes that would happen, too. It would be yeah. through professional connections or whatever. I, w- I might say something like, unfortunately, I never had a chance to meet Harry. What would you like others to remember him most for? And mm. to give her an opportunity to start sharing the stories. I think that helps a widow in her healing to talk about the stories, to talk about her husband, to talk about the memories. To, you know, He's gone, but he's still alive. And like Tom... He will also live in my heart. I mean, he's, he's, he's always, he, in fact, Tom is with me right now. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing a, a legacy ring. There are several diamonds in it. My, my wedding ring, my, my ring from Tom was in the safe for many years because I couldn't decide what to do with it. When mother died, I inherited nine tiny little diamonds that were in a chip. She never had a solitaire because dad was a poor farmer. And my, when my grandmother died, my mother had inherited her diamond. So I had Tom's diamond, my grandmother's diamond, and these little chips. Oh,
1: that is pretty. It's it's hard. It's a little hard to see on Zoom. Yeah. but it's pretty. And I, yeah,
0: my my. Uh, so I worked with a jeweler and designed that. And this is my legacy ring, and I wear it on special occasions, like doing podcasts like this. And I feel like
1: Tom's Tom is with, with me, and Mom's yeah. with
0: me, and Grandma's with me. <laughs>
1: wow, that's amazing. Well, to so tell me this.
0: Oh, one, one more thing Wes. Yeah. Um, what to say. And if, if folks want to know, I mean, I got a whole lot more suggestions on my website. There's this impactful empathy book. Mm,
1: okay. Yay. Impactful Which, empathy.
0: Yeah. yeah. People can download that for free. And there's all kinds of things to say and not to say like one of the worst things that people said to me was God needed another angel. And so, Tom had to go up and be that other angel. No, I wanted the angel right here with me. Yeah. Or one guy, one guy said to me, "This was a couple months after Tom died." And he said, "Kathleen, don't, don't, don't worry too much. Um, you're still young, and you're attractive. You'll find another man to marry."
1: Ah! What not to say?
0: Yes, <laughs> whole collection of things: how to say things and what not to say, and, and suggestions about remembering on anniversary dates. I still remember it was a year after Tom's death. My kids didn't call me. Nobody contacted me except my financial planner. And I have my own financial planner because you can't be your own medical doctor, so you can't do your own financial plans. And my planner called me and said, you know, Kathleen, I'm thinking about you today. And I know wherever Tom is, he's so proud of you right now, all the progress you've made this last year.
1: Mm, That's powerful. Yeah, That is powerful. Well, tell me about that progress that you would coach one of your clients about, Kathleen. You mentioned, so we we talked about this really difficult period of time. It's pain, it's loss, it's lonely, you're crying yourself to sleep. And that lasts, I'm sure, for a long time. And I don't know how long that lasted for you or how long it typically lasts. I don't know if there's a typical... And then what about when do you start making decisions? And should you not? What Tell me about that time frame, That's v- that very difficult period of time.
0: And first of all, I'll say every widow's situation is unique. And I never try and say, oh, I understand. I get it. I was a widow before. I know exactly what path you're walking on. Because I don't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unique. But I've found that the women that I advised there were about three stages that they would go through. There was that initial shock and awe period when grief is just really, really raw. And on average, that's going to take several months, maybe like six months or so on average. And the kinds of things that she needs to do, I refer to it as it's a a term from Susan Bradley's financial transitionist, Institute, she calls it decision-free zone. Not a no decision zone, but just a decision-free where you don't, you make decisions on some things that have to be taken care of, but a lot of the other things that don't need immediate attention. For example, if there are life insurance benefits to be collected, we're going to file for those and get those benefits, but not decide right away where to invest them. Because She doesn't know what her future life's going to look like or what her needs are. So you get the proceeds and you park them in a high interest bearing money market account where it's Mm -hmm. safe and secure and just let it be. Mm -hmm. Let it be. So those immediate things that have to, you know, getting the death certificates and funeral arrangements and memorial or those, those immediate kinds of things. But the rest of the stuff you defer. And then you get through that main
1: Shock phase.
0: Yeah, shock and awe phase in that widow's fog, or as I had some of my widow friends, they called it widow's brain, period. Then you move into the the second phase, which is, I, I call it growth. I like alliteration. So there's grief is the first one and growth is the second one. And this is where she's ready to do more traditional financial planning kinds of things. And I've had some widows that aren't ready to move into that phase. They're in that deep grief for a whole year. Um, it may depend on like the circumstances of death. I had, uh, I'll give you two cases of widows. They're clients of mine and husbands died in the same year. The first widow was in her, she and her husband were in her fifties. He had taken early retirement. She worked at a big executive kind of position. Um, loved her job. She was going to work longer, more secure financial future for both of them, health care coverage, good things like that. She went off to work one morning and she got a phone call. Um, A couple hours later, come to the hospital right away. And by the time she got there, her husband was dead. He had gone out to play tennis with buddies, doubles, that morning. And he dropped dead on the tennis court of a massive heart attack. And they didn't have any clue that he had
1: any sort of heart issues.
0: Yeah. Before later in that year, another widow. She was in her. She and her husband were in their late 80s. They always said that Bob was living on borrowed time, and he had um, a heart condition, also. Mm-hmm. But they knew about it, and he died quietly in his sleep one night. Well, because she knew. I mean, this was going to happen. It was inevitable. She was more ready for it. She's older than that younger widow. But that younger widow, it took about nine months before she was ready to move into stage two, whereas the older widow was ready to move into stage two by six months. So.
1: Understood. So shock, then growth, and then what is the the next phase?
0: And and by the way, in the growth, it, you're doing the more traditional. You're, you know, you're investing that insurance money. You're looking at updating the estate plans, deciding if she's going to stay in her house or move to a different house, and looking at retirement plans. Then the third stage, using the grief, I like G, I like um,
1: grief, grace, growth grace, and-
0: grace or transformation, as some people like to call it, and. Not all widows go through the. Oh, and in that stage, that's when maybe she's ready to talk about some um, advanced estate planning. There may be uh, philanthropy involved if if she is charitably inclined. There may be uh, uh, family matters. There might be a, a business. Maybe she's starting a new business. Maybe there's um, a new marriage. All right. Not all women go through all three stages. Some, for uh, unfortunately, there are some none of my clients are this way, but they never move out of stage one, that deep, heavy grief. And these are, are women who are joined at the hip with their spouse. They just did everything together. They were are probably older women. And some of these women pass on, they die within two years of their husband's death. And you've seen, sometimes we read yeah. reports how it's like within hours, they, the spouse dies, even though they were in separate floors on the hospital, but they they just they die. Some women make it to stage two, and they're very happy to be in stage two. It's a safe, it's a comfortable place. It's just fine for them to be. But for the ones that make it onto stage three, that's like a whole new life, a whole new beginning. Um, it's it's a wonderful
1: and that may be a year later. Um, oh, that,
0: that 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 comes that multiple grace, years. Multiple. It was I had recorded it in my journal, and I I wrote I am much more than a Widow, I am an independent woman, and I and I have moved forward. It was about five years for me.
1: Five years.
0: Yeah, it's to a get long,
1: to that. This is a long, long, long yeah, journey.
0: That stage.
1: Well, there's a couple of questions I have. One, I know that widows change financial advisors at a high percentage rate, something <laughs> like six, 70%. Why is that? Well, I have checked to see if there have been an
0: actual empirical evidence-based study on this and there hasn't been. So I can give you empirical evidence based on my experience as a financial planner because I got a lot of new widows that came to me and it was an example was like aunt who came to my office and she said that her husband had died and they had a financial planner. She said she met him when they first started working with this planner many, many years ago, but that was the last time she ever saw oh, him. Oh,
1: and never met, never met again. Why? Because his, her, her husband kind her, her, her of hu-
0: Her husband got his, his hot tips on the golf course with this financial planner. <laughs> and he'd come home and he'd say, this is what we're doing sometimes, and sometimes he'd just go ahead and do it. So she really didn't have a relationship
1: uh-huh.
0: with this, this guy. So after her husband dies, his office calls and schedules appointments, says she needs to come in and sign some paperwork. Okay, she she'd never even been to his office before, so it was hard for her. But she figured out how to get there, and she yeah. got there. And she said the first thing he said when I walked into the office was that I should be happy because I was beating the market. <laughs> she said that's the last thing I wanted to to know. He said he didn't say anything about my husband. He this came guy sounds like he, the
1: stockbroker in the Charles Schwab commercials. He like started the bad broker. He, they make fun of.
0: Yeah. He 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 called him my late spouse, my deceased spouse. She said, I don't think he even knew his name. But she started crying. And he grabs a tissue and tosses it at her. And he says, there, there, don't cry your pretty little eyes out. We're going to take care of everything for you. It's going to all be okay. And she said she just lost it at that point. She got up and she left. And uh-huh. his office called the next day and wanted to reschedule the appointment because she hadn't signed the paperwork. She said she saw the paperwork, but she didn't understand it, and she wasn't going to sign something she didn't understand. So she told him she was busy. She had a hair appointment. And she talked to her friend Betty, who was also widowed, and she said, oh, you got to go talk to Kathleen. That's my advisor. And I think I think Kathleen can probably help you the way she's helped me. So I'm here, Kathleen. And and I wanna know, am I gonna be all right financially?
1: And you restart because that's a new person that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then you stayed with her through that whole journey.
0: Yep. We and we spent the like the first few times it was talking about her husband. That's mm-hmm. all we did. And then we did things very, very slowly. I pulled out that chart and, and I, I, I used that chart that you know, grief to Growth to grace, and and said, "You're right here. You're on the the grief end, and we're going to work through this together." And then I asked her, I said, "What are your concerns right now?" And all what of was her she concerns, worried about. Every, yeah. everyone. I we I wrote them down. I was like, she said, "What do I do with his car?" Okay. Do I do I still have to pay the bills? There are bills that come in just for him. Do I have to pay those bills? Can I still help my granddaughter? Can I? help her with her college expenses. My son is talking to me about moving, moving in with him. And I don't know if that would be the right. So everything she wanted, we wrote every single thing down. And I, and then I went, we went back over the list again. And I said, all right, is there anything else? Wrote it down. I said, we're going to be able to take care of all of these things and more. That's all we did. And she just like, ah. So I am going to be a thinking partner along with you. I'm not going to tell you what to do.
1: No wonder people love working with you so much. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: No wonder people love working with you so much. I get it. I, I want to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm refired. <laughs> I dropped all my licenses. What is refired, <laughs> by the way? Again, what is refired? <laughs> people say,
2: oh,
0: you were so smart to think of that term. I didn't think of it. It was in the year, I think it was 2000. A book came out about retirement for people aged 15 and above. And the way I found out about that book was there was a workshop that was being done for clergy who were planning to retire soon. And my husband was eligible to do that workshop, and I went with him. So it was. It was a book that was used by Lutheran clergy around the whole country. So it wasn't b- used by financial planners at all. It never caught on with financial planners. But in that he was encouraging people not to just retire and fall off the ledge and enjoy fine dining and golf for the rest of their life, but to do meaningful things, to... You know, to have a purpose, and they were also encouraging Lutheran pastors who were retiring then to go on and do interim ministry positions in these little tiny churches that were shorthanded on clergy. So it was through the the clergy that I connection that I found this book when I read it, and I thought, oh man, they're right on. And then shortly after that, Mitch Anthony came out with his book about um, the new retirementality. Yeah, and I. And I liked that, which that's an old book now. But the idea that, because I kind of thought, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to retire, never really. So then it was, I took that retirement name. And then I decided, all right, I want to do this with my clients, but I want us to focus on what are your values? And once you stop working for pay, you know, how are you going to live out these values? And sparkle turn on and so i figured out for myself i went through ken ken rouse had a book that he wrote many many years ago and it was a values inventory and there were oh maybe 20 some values and you're supposed to pick out the top ones for you and i did that and i and i then i modified that and over the years i've continue to modify it more. So at the point that I decided to leave my encore career, which I started after I sold my business, I did that for six years and we can talk about that too. But when I closed down the encore career, so then I said, all right, I'm not really retired. I'm not gonna be that golf and fine dining person. What is it that lights my fire? By the way, what fire? was your
1: number one value? What was your top value? Family. Family.
0: Family, yeah, family's forever.
1: So let me ask you this, as as you move through these stages, shock and then, or well, grief and growth and grace, when when do you see widows, when is it okay to start dating again? When does that start happening?
0: Well, they should wait later than what I started dating. <laughs> I started too early. I really wasn't.
1: What's too early? What happened?
0: It was by, it was near the end of that first year. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand, I was in a funny position that um, Tom was very, very well respected and loved. And I don't think any guy that was friends of his who was single would have even thought twice of dating me because that would have been
1: mm.
0: a no-no. Because oh, yes. that's, you know, how can I d- date my friends who died and it just wouldn't work out? Yeah. And the connections that I was a part of, it, was, it wasn't was going to work. So I figured, okay, I'm going to try this online dating stuff, mm-hmm. which was fairly new back then. Heck, I guess today there's hundreds of online sites, but back then there were just a few. And I went on one, and I was amazed at all these people that approached me and wanted to date me. I said, wow, this is interesting. But I quickly discovered that many of those profiles lie. They don't tell the truth. You know, they're 10 years younger. The profile is 10 years younger than what they really are. Or they yeah. say they don't smoke and they stink of cigars or they don't drink. Or I very quickly figured out how to do the background check on a bunch of them. And I found out they had liens on their home. Or some of them even said they were divorced and they weren't. They were still married.
1: Holy. Okay. So you're doing some <sighs> reconnaissance here. Yeah. Like this. But what happened? So, you found someone, though, at the end of that, after a year, though, that was, oh, I oh guess, no. past the, back, the background oh, check. No.
0: <laughs> I dated, most of the dates would last like one time or two times. But then I okay. had a friend said she found somebody she was really committed to, and she showed me her spreadsheet and how she had things all organized. I said, oh, that makes sense. So, I started my own spreadsheet.
1: But I went through a lot of just... Hold on. You started um, a spreadsheet for dating? Yes. Okay. Well, I guess that's not that far financial person you know yeah well you're (laughs) a financial person one two technically in the background a dating site is doing that right i mean it's variables what are your variables on your excel spreadsheet oh
0: i that's i've thrown that away so long ago um but had to had to be telling the truth yeah you know um respected me for my profession and didn't because some of the guys just said oh just just retire right now we'll see the world together we'll I didn't want to do that, that was spiritual in nature, that was educated.
1: Um, you, you've mentioned in some of your writings this, the concept of nurse or purse. You don't want to be <laughs> a nurse or a purse.
0: Or God forbid their mother.
1: What is that? it is probably was made it under your <laughs> spreadsheet, but explain to our audience, what is the nurse or purse concept?
0: Well, with myself, I... Some When they found out I was a financial advisor, they put, cha-ching, dollar signs, she must have a lot of money. And the research that we did, um, I don't know if you've looked into, we, we've we got several, I think four or five published pieces in academic journals with a team of scholars that did this research. But but
1: Yeah, this is what the Journal of Financial Services Professionals, the, I think you were in, or yeah, a lot.
0: That yeah. Was, yeah, was was one of them. But we we talked to gals who had dated, and um, a number of them were really taken for their money. Uh, one gal, I remember her telling us that she didn't talk about money issues before she married her husband because she thought that that would negatively impact their relationship. She said, boy, was I wrong on that. We should have gotten the money issues out on the table because... Um, as soon as they got married, um, he started saying, oh, you know, we've really got some dumpy furniture here. We need to get some new furniture. so, you know, she she paid for it. And then we need to remodel the kitchen. And then we need to be taking a trip to Europe. And we need to be doing more for our friends and her And account- she was paying for it. Yes. Yeah. As he said, you you know, you've got the money to be able to do it. So, widow, and there's all kinds of scams that widows are taking advantage of. So, and and as as you know, uh, couples, married couples, the number one problem that they have is money issues. So if they mm-hmm. haven't discussed money ahead of time, they're in, you know, that big problem. That's more problematic than sex and household duties than
1: money. Kids. Number and, one yeah. issue still to yep. this day. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. So personally for me, there were, there were people that um, looked at me and said, Oh, you got a nice house here and you got a business and you must be a rich lady. And so that's the purse nurse. Um, that statistically, that's that's quite true. Widow widowers in general will remarry faster. Many widowers within two years are going to be remarried, and I think part of that is um, guys. They they are healthier. They function better when they're in a marriage. Well. Hmm. The wife's watching out for his health, looking after him, probably getting him good, you know, cooked meals. Um, He's going to be healthier. And there was one gentleman that was a a very good friend of mine who we dated for quite a while. But he had severe, severe health issues. And I knew Mm. that down the road it was going to become more problematic. And I didn't want to sign on for that.
1: Yes, so you would, have, you would have ended up playing the role of a nurse. Yeah. Yes. So yes. you don't want to be, a, you don't want to sign up for a decade of that. You don't want to yeah. also be the person that's paying.
0: Although for- he wound up, he married a nurse and she, I understand she's very happy taking care of him.
1: Perfect. perfect. You don't yeah. want to be a nurse unless you are a nurse in marriage. It's Okay. So what do you do now? Uh, Tell me about your, so you you had a financial business, you sold it, you're a writer, speaker. But Oh, that was after,
0: yeah, yeah, after the, for the financial business, I was, you know, pretty much just financial planning clients. Then I had an invitation by a major uh, financial firm, uh, Protective Life. They wanted me to do presentations at national conferences for financial planners on working well with widows not on their products at all. I had total freedom on what I wanted to do. So they trotted me around to a lot of conferences, plus a lot of conferences just brought me in on their own. Financial planners brought me in to be a speaker for their um, some of their client events to work with women who were widowed already or who were looking to that time ahead. There were some foundations that had me come in and do sessions. So um, I kept a track of it. And it was like over, I did over 300 those presentations. Wow. But then I had to stop. And Wes, I had to stop because every time I and I had a, it was a, it was a great presentation. It was and it was emotional. People would cry during it. They were really connected. I had to stop because every time I gave that presentation, Tom died all over again.
1: Oh. So emotionally just as brutal.
0: Yes. And I'd planned to wind that down right Beef. And the way it worked out perfect with the pandemic, because I it, it was ended right before the months before the pandemic closed everything down anyway. So now I, I speak occasionally, I'm speaking in Denver at a conference um, next month. That's pretty rare to be speaking in per. per on purpose there. Get your word out right, Kathleen. <laughs> so I'll do some of these podcasts and webinars because I can just sit in my own house and, and talk nice, to you. It's nice, isn't it? It's made podcasting
1: yeah. so much easier. Yeah. So yeah. much better. To, yeah. Um, and then what about hope? I think you've got this very patient methodology about you and it sounds like it can take, again, years and years and years and years, but what would you tell our audience about Widowhood and hope of the future because it I I do see it and it's just really really hard for people to go through it and I again we we've all seen it and it's I can
0: it's just look not back, easy yeah I can look back now and if say if I was talking to Kathleen because I, I had just turned sixty and I'm seventy five now fifteen years ago if I would have said to her honey it's going to be okay you're gonna you're gonna wind up being a stronger person. You've got new adventures ahead of you. Things are unfolding that are just unbelievable. It's going to be a good life. I would, I would never say that to a new widow now, yeah, though. Yeah. But, but that's the way. And my husband, Tom, before he died, I, I remember having a conversation with him, and I said, I, I just, I, I want to go with you. I, I, I don't want to stay. I want to go. And he mm. said, you can't do that. And he said, I've accomplished, he was a very spiritual man, you need to know. He said, I've accomplished everything I was supposed to do in this lifetime, but you have not. You've got more work to do. And in fact, for you to do this work, I have to leave. And I said, wow. what the heck are you talking about? What do you mean? What 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 is this work I'm supposed to do? He said, I don't know what it is, but you'll figure it out after I'm gone.
1: And, and, if, and have you done that?
0: Yes. Yes. This is the whole truth. For me, change is important and new, and 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 the things that I'm doing now, like helping congregations and foundations establish and grow their endowment funds. I'm 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 leading a session on this Saturday for a group of folks um, who are coming. Let's see, we called it "What to Do Before You Kick the Bucket: Effective Estate and Legacy Planning."
1: It's kind of a cute and, title, actually. Yes, yeah,
0: so you have to you have to have humor. <laughs> <laughs> in, yeah in here. and and helping people with legacy writing which i began doing myself writing a lot of poetry and and short stories and getting some of these published which is is sort of fun and i set up a um, a charitable plan myself it's a testamentary charitable remainder trust it's pretty esoteric in fact that's what i'm talking about with advisors in denver next month and it will be funded with retirement assets from my IRA after my death. And as you know, with the new Secure Tax Act, there have been some major changes on required minimum withdrawals from yeah. for beneficiaries. And they used to be, we used to be able to stretch out those beneficiaries. Now it's all
1: 10 years, right? Uh, it's 10 years, come out. right. Or So or how does this possible. charitable remainder trust help with that? That's interesting.
0: All right. the A million dollars from my IRA will go into this trust, it will pay out for a period of twenty years, six percent income to my son, who does not have a pension program when he retires, and he has limited retirement funds right now. So it'll be a pension for him every year for twenty
1: years. So the IRA gets led left to the trust.
0: Trust, you're right? So and instead because of packs, having
1: it, instead of having to pay it out over ten, yes. The trust provisions say it can be paid out on whatever you choose, which in this right. case you're if saying I 20. It's
0: 20, 20 years. It could have been lifetime for him, um, and, and and if he dies prematurely, it'll go for my grandson. So it saves a heck of a lot of taxes. It's it's just you know, I, guess, now, I, I, I could do a whole session just on that, but it's just highly beneficial. And then the proceeds eventually that are left go to benefit three nonprofit organizations that I believe in.
1: But just logistically here on, because the the IRA rules are are much more stringent now, to some extent that will give him an income. The downside to that though, Kathleen, is that if he wanted to go pull $300,000 out of the IRA, he can't do that because it's in the trust.
0: And purposely, because there have been some incidences in the past where he had inherited his late father's retirement account and all that money was withdrawn, paying a very high, that kicked him into a higher tax bracket. Yeah, yeah. And it's gone right now. So I want this money to be there. He's gonna get some money outright, mm-hmm. but some money every year will will be there for him. Okay. Like if you go to my website, um, Jonathan Clements, he used to be the Wall Street Journal, the money columnist. He's got his own site, Humble Dollar, right now. He had asked me to write a piece on that. It's called Giving Twice, and I've written a couple of pieces on it, and I'm thinking about submitting it to uh, – I've talked to Michael Kitsis, and he's interested in maybe doing something with this too. So I like I like staying connected with the profession somewhat, so I, I do that. Encouraging others to make uh, charitable gifts – for philanthropy to make this world a better place that gives me great sense of, of purpose. You know, I, I wake up every morning, just like, okay, what are we going to do today? It's like today. Oh, I'm talking to Wes.
1: <laughs> well, you're as excited as you've ever been. I mean, it's really, you're, you're really a very inspirational and this is exactly why I thought we this is a heavy topic, but you approach this with such optimism and you have so much passion for it that it, it makes this really difficult topic. I think, um, a lot more palatable, and it's very informative to our, our folks.
0: And I have to also say this this wonderful man, Charlie, came into my life 11 years ago. And we finally said, oh, what the heck? We're, I was not going to get married at all. And he was very patient with me. <laughs> Three years ago, How long I, have okay.
1: you long been, been married against, to Charlie?
0: We celebrated our third anniversary last month. And oh. he's a, a retired nuclear engineer, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. And he's very, very supportive of my work and is just a wonderful family man. And we blended our families beautifully together and um, I love him a lot. So, see, I get to love two men. Yeah. I get to love Charlie and I get to love Tom.
1: It's a be- it is a, it's a beautiful story and it's a beautiful way to wrap up today. So, Kathleen, thank you so much. How, what is your main website that folks can find you? It's my name. Just Kathleen, Kathleen real.com real. and it's R E H L Kathleen dot com. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you are a blessing and it is wonderful for you to spend time with us here on the retire sooner podcast. And I, I learned a lot and I think anybody that is in this situation that is a widower or, even, or widow and or a widower, I think that there's obviously some of the applies to them as well, that there's some real hope here There's no flip of a switch. There's no magic elixir that this goes away overnight, but kind of just how clear you are on that path kind of, I think, really inspires a lot of hope.
0: Well, thank you. And I thank you for the gifts that you've given me today because this has been fun to talk with you. Oh, and folks could also go out and take a look at my book if they want to get a little bit more of Kathleen's philosophy. Then there's beautiful art and original paintings and... Um, photography in the book so start by looking at the art
1: moving forward on your own Uh, Kathleen real thank you so much and um, thank you for being here on the show thank you Wes
2: information.